0: Hello there, God bless you and welcome into the study today. We're very glad to have you. We're going to be picking it up in Matthew chapter 20 verse 1 in just a moment. and we're about to get into a parable that Christ gives pertaining to where we left off in the last study with verse 30, where Christ would say, "But many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. So let's get right on into it. We ask for clarity and understanding from our Father in Jesus name, chapter 20 and verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven, Is likened to a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. Now, if you remember from Matthew chapter 13, the world is or the field is the world, and the good man is the father. Verse two. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Now, this penny a day that at this time it's a denarius that'd be a, a day's wage, and so he sent them into the world. Verse 3, and he went out about the third hour, that being about nine o'clock in the morning, and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. They weren't producing any fruit. They were just hanging out, not doing anything. And he said unto them, Go ye into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. Now notice he said, Whatsoever is right. He's just and fair in all things. Verse 5, again he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, and did likewise. This would be about noon and 3 p.m. And about the 11th hour, that being about 5 o'clock, he went out and found others standing idle, and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. Now here, right here at the very end of the day, He's calling these in and saying, look, go work. Go do this work. That's those, the first shall be last. The first ones that followed him will be last. Verse 8, so when even was come. Now this even, this being the, it's done. It's over with. Okay, so if you're looking at the day, this is the end of the work day. If you're looking at this age, this flesh age, this would be that seventh trump when Christ returns. Okay, spiritually looking through that way. The Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. So those that were there in that last hour, that hour of temptation, that were here standing against the Antichrist, give them theirs first. And when they came, they were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. They all earned the same thing. What is that same thing? It's salvation but when the first came they supposed that they should have received more and they likewise received every man a penny they still received that salvation but they weren't very happy about that they thought they needed a little they thought they were a little better verse 11 and when they had received it they murmured against the good man of the house saying these last have wrought but one hour that that one hour that hour of temptation and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. So would would they rather people not be saved? Would they rather people not really make it into the eternity? They they just no, we've worked long enough, we don't you know, that's that one upmanship. People kinda get on a, a little ego trip where they think, Oh, well, I've I've studied for so long and this, this feller over here, he didn't study near as much as I did, and I'm this and I'm that. and They kind of beat themselves on the chest and, and pat herself on the back and forget, hey, the goal is to reach, the, to find that salvation, regardless of when it happens. Verse 13, But he answered one of them and said, "'Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Didn't you agree to work for me for this price, for this salvation?' 14, take that thine is and go thy way. I will give unto this last even as unto thee, fair across the board. It is not lawful for me to do what I will, or is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? So God's not partial. If you, John three sixteen. God gave his only begotten son that whomsoever would believe upon him. It's not who would sit down here and do the most work or who would pay the most or who would talk the best, but it's who would believe upon Christ. And what he's saying here is, you are mad at me because I fulfilled my agreement and you think I should have done more? Verse 16, so the last shall be first and the first shall be last for many are called but few are chosen. And we covered a lot in that verse right there because many are called, many are brought into the salvation, but the few that are chosen to go forth in that last hour and bring that testimony, allow the holy spirit to speak through them. Those elect are those who are coming in that last hour, the very the few but that will stand against the antichrist. Verse 17. And Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart in the way and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock, and to scourge, and to crucify, and to crucify him, and in the third day he shall rise again. Now, he's laying it right out for them. This is what's going to happen. We're going to go into Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed. They're going to kill me, but I'm going to rise again. So, you know, he's prepping them. He's making sure, he's trying to make sure they understand this. Now, this is the third time that he's told them this. This is the third announcement of this. Verse 20, Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She said unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the one on thy left in thy kingdom. Now, if you think of this, Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So on his, on his left side would be God. So you definitely can't take that seat. But now let's see what Christ says. Verse 22. But Jesus answered and said, "Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of, and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they say unto him, We are able. And he said unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father now as i mentioned christ is at the right hand of god which would mean the left hand is his so then what is on that right hand of christ he mentioned this cup in jeremiah chapter 25 verse 15 we will just read this right quick explaining this cup jeremiah 25:15 for thus saith the lord god of israel unto me Take the wine cup of this fury at my hand, and cause all the nations to whom I send thee to drink it. And they shall drink, and be moved, and be mad because of the sword that I will send among them. Now, what is the sword of the Lord? It's this word, it's the truth. It cuts both ways. Verse 17, Then took I the cup at the Lord's hand, and made all the nations to drink unto whom the Lord had sent me. And what this is talking about is that time whenever that truth is coming into the world and it's going to be cutting away all the falseness in that hour. And then at the same time, it's going to be the cup of the fury, those vials that are poured out in the book of Revelation. This is the same cup that in the Garden of Gethsemane, Christ would pray to God, can we do this some other way? Can this cup please pass? It wasn't the crucifixion that he was talking about. You see, Christ was Emmanuel, God with us. Therefore, he knew the crucifixion was to happen. Just as we read here, he's going to rise the third day. He knew that it was going to happen. He knew he was going to rise the third day. He was not worried about the crucifixion. It was at the, the last hour, at that seventh trump, when that cup of wrath was to be poured out. That's the cup that Christ was praying about. That's what he's speaking of here. Verse 24, back here in Matthew. And when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. Now, see, the mom, the mom just came, she was just being what a mom is, trying to make sure that her sons were tended to. She loved her sons, and, you know, she just thought that they were just the best in the world. And that really kind of shows the love of a mother right there. But what happened? The ten, the other ten got a little. Agitated with this. Verse 25. But Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. Now, in the Greek, the preposition for this exercise in authority is katha, and it means down. It, It means they oppress them. Those who have authority oppress those who are beneath them. Verse 26. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. So those who have the knowledge, who who great as far as wisdom, let them be humble. Let them teach. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. The same thing. If, If the more wisdom you obtain, the more you see it's better to be humble. Because... As Christ would say, it's better to take the low seat and to be asked to move up than to go ahead and sit in the high seat thinking you're somebody and have to get kicked out of the high seat and move down. Verse 28, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. He didn't come down here expecting everybody to wait on him. As a matter of fact, Christ would wash the feet of the disciples, even though they were saying, no, you're much greater. He said, don't worry about that. That's not what I'm about. I'm here to serve. Verse 29, And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. Now, at this time, the population of Jericho was 100,000 or somewhere around that. So it's going to be a big crowd. Verse 30, And two blind men were sitting by the wayside, and when they heard that Jesus passed by, they cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them, because they should hold their peace. They, they weren't quite good enough. They were blind. They, they didn't need to be talking to the Lord. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? And they say unto them, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. Think of this in a spiritual sense, that our eyes might be opened, that we might be able to see the truth, that we can see through the babble, see through the confusion, see through the darkness of this world and open our eyes to the glory that is this word, that is the truth of God. Verse 34, so Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. what they do? They, they didn't go off over here and go brag about, you know, oh, hey, look here, look what I did. Look what, they followed him. Chapter 21, verse 1. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethpage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. Now, everything that God has is ordered, and and He has a plan for everything's already set up. Verse three, and if any man say aught unto you, you shall say, The Lord have need of them, and straightway He will send them. Verse four, all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee meek and sitting upon an ass, and a colt the fowl of an ass. Naturally, this is Zechariah verse nine, or chapter 9, verse 9, and verse 6. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put on their clothes, and they sent him their own. And so basically they they use their their cloaks, if you will, as a sort of blanket. Verse 8, and a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from trees and straw and, and strawed them in the way. They were making this path, this very not a golden street, but this path of, of their belongings, showing that they were humbling themselves to him, showing that that basically, I guess you could say, servitude or worship to him. Verse not in the multitude that went before, and that followed, crying, "Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest!" And this is quoted from Psalms eighteen, verse uh, one, eighteen, verse twenty-five and twenty-six. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And he said unto him, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Now, this was written in Isaiah chapter 56, verse 7. And, you know, people say Christ taught to turn the other cheek. And, you know, so you should never lose your temper. Everything should just be calm. And if somebody abuses you, oh, well, we're Christian. You know, we just have to take it. What did that just say? Jesus went in the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple overthrew the tables. And the seats, he run them out. Now, why would he do this? Money changing, this is not, basically, this was, you were supposed to bring the first fruits in for an offering to God. And what this was causing them, what, what this law kind of went in effect, where if you had a long journey, if you were living on the, basically the border of Israel and you were having to come there, well, then you could pay money, but you were supposed to receive a good, in this case, say a dove. These were mite-infested doves. What is the dove? The dove is symbolic of the Holy Spirit, so a mite-infested dove would be a corrupted spirit. So they're going down here and throwing money at the temple for these money changers to make a profit on. They're pocketing all this just to get this corrupted spirit. So it's showing spiritually, if you look at it that way, really what is supposed to be happening in the churches now. That any time a corrupted spirit, as he would say, you, you pluck the eye out, any time something comes in that's corrupting the church, it should be run out right then. Verse 14, And the blind and the lame came unto him in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priest and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying at the temple and saying, Hosanna to the Son of David, they were sore displeased. Well, why is that? It was getting in their pocketbook. He was pulling their congregation from them. They couldn't heal people. They couldn't do anything. They were more worried about their traditions of man. And they couldn't do anything. But he was out here healing for free. He wasn't asking anything. Just believe. So it was hurting them. It was hurting their reputation. Verse 16. And said unto him, "Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus said unto them, Yea, have you never read, Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? Verse seventeen. And he left them and went out of the city into Bethany, and he lodged there. Now in the morning, as he returned into the city, he hungered, and he saw or and when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it, and found nothing thereon, but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever, and presently the fig tree withered away. Now what is this, why would he do this to this fig tree? He was showing that this type of fig tree was basically a a wicked fig. And it's, it's drawing a path into the parable of the fig tree, where if you go to Jeremiah chapter 24, and we'll get into it whenever we get into the parable of the fig tree but it speaks of a mixed basket of good figs and wicked figs and so he's kind of setting this up right here to show that this gener- this these wicked figs in that generation that he has the power over them to wither them away to move that nation verse 20 and when the disciples saw it they marveled saying how soon is the fig tree withered away and Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to this fig tree, these bad figs, these Kenites, but also you shall say unto this mountain. Well, well what are mountains? Revelation chapter 17, mountains are nations. This, this wicked nation, those that claim to be of our brother Judah, but are not and do lie and are the synagogue of Satan, that nation. Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and it shall be done. It means get out of here and cast into the people. They, they're no longer a nation. They're just gone. Verse 22. In all things whatsoever, ye shall ask in prayer, believe ye shall receive or believing ye shall receive. Now, again, this does not mean go out here and ask for billions of dollars to be put on your plate because God knows what you need of. He's, you, can't, you, know, you don't want to go out here and pray for a, a Corvette and get mad whenever you don't get it because God probably knows that you might be one that's a little heavy-footed and will kill yourself in the thing within a few hours. Verse 23, And when he was come into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching, and said, By what authority dost thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? Oh man, they they are high and mighty. This is the chief priest and the elders of the people. Not God, but of the people. They think they're somebody. Verse 24, And Jesus answered and said unto them, I also will ask you one thing, which if ye tell me, I, in likewise, will tell you by what authority I do these things. Okay. So what he's saying is you got to answer true. To it. You answer this, I'll answer that for you. The baptism of John, whence was it? From heaven or of men? Now, everybody looked at John. He was a, a mighty prophet. He is the one that led the way, the voice calling in the wilderness. And they reasoned within themselves saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, Why did you not believe him? But if we say of men, we fear the people, and all hold John as a prophet. Now, see, they know the truth. They know he was from heaven, but they don't want to admit that. But they definitely don't want to go on the other side because they want to hold their congregation to them. See, they're, they're too busy playing politically correct here. Instead of what God says, instead of following God's word, they want to hold all the world in one hand and then kind of dabble in the other on the other hand. Verse 27, And they answered Jesus and said, We cannot tell. Well, they're lying right there. And he said unto them, Neither tell I you by what authority I do these things, but what think ye? A certain man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in the vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterwards he repented and went. So he was being a little stubborn, but then he said, You know what? I shouldn't have done that. I'm, I'm going to get out there. I'm going to go do my work. Verse 30. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, Oh, I'll go, sir. And went not. he's kind of kind of a suck up thinking he can get away with it whether of them twain did the will of the father they say unto him the first jesus saith unto them verily i say unto you that the publicans and harlots go into the kingdom of god before you now why would that be because the publicans and the harlots they're down here they might you know not be the holier than thou type but it's a good chance that they're doing everything they can do to do God's will. But now these that are walking around patting yourself on the back that are just so holy and look at me, look at what I do, are not doing anything of God's work. Matter of fact, they're turning folks against God. Verse 32, for John came unto you in the way of righteousness and you believed him not, but the publicans and harlots believed him. And ye, when ye had seen it, repent it not afterwards, that ye might believe him. They just—they are just too stubborn. They're too high and mighty in themselves. Verse thirty-three. Hear another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard, and hedged it about, and hedged it round about, and digged a winepress in it, and built a tower, and let it out to husbandmen, and went into a far country. Then, when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandman, they that might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandman took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Again he sent other servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. They'll respect, this is my son. They will respect my son. They've got to. But the husbandmen saw the son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. And when the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? And they say unto them, He will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their seasons. Now, this vineyard, as we mentioned before, the field is the world. These husbandmen are supposed to be these high priests, the priests of God's people. In First Chronicles chapter 2, verse 55, we see that the Kenites had worked their way into this and from then on, through, as we read through the book of Kings and Chronicles and the different prophets, that they were killing prophets right and left, all the way up to John the Baptist, who had his head severed. And God said, I'm going to send my son. And they, thinking that he was the heir, that they would receive everything. Why would they be thinking that? Because they are that synagogue of Satan. And they believe if we take out the Son of God, then that's just going to put our power up there. What it did was fulfill the half of the prophecy in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, saying, You shall bruise his heel, but he shall bruise your head. They bruised his heel, but they, there's another bruising coming. Verse 44, uh, 42, excuse me. Jesus saith unto them, Did you never read in the scriptures the stone of? which the builders rejected the same has become the head of the corner this is the lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes that's psalm 118 22. therefore say i unto you the kingdom of god shall be taken from you and given to the nation bringing forth the fruits thereof it's going to be that what's going to happen you see at this time the sacrifices had to go through these priests for salvation that's the only way that salvation would come, but after they crucified Christ, then it was open to everyone to receive that salvation. So that, that basically that authority is going to be taken from them. Verse 44, "And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but who shall ever, but whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder." And when the chief priests and Pharisees had heard his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. Oh, they're getting a little wise. They're starting to wisen up here. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. Again, they're being politically correct there. If they thought for a minute that there was any truth in what they believed, then they wouldn't have been fearing this mob. But they knew what the deal was. They understood that Christ was the Messiah. He was the heir. But they were doing the will of their father, lowercase f. They were doing the will of that wicked one, bringing to pass the first half of that first prophecy in this word. All right, we'll pick it up in chapter 22 in the next study. If you have enjoyed the podcast or are enjoying the podcast, and if it's helped you and you would like to help others, we just ask that you give a rating, or review, or a like, uh, maybe share it, that others like you might be able to hear the truth taught chapter by chapter and verse by verse. God bless you, and have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions that you'd like answered on the podcast, you can write to us at Humans Under Grace, P.O. Box 1467, Tatum, Texas seven five six nine one or you can email us at questions at humansundergrace dot com. Thank you and God bless you.